what I loved about where I was at with this training was just how adapted my body was and how fit it felt. Like towards the end when he when BJ would tell me to go out and do a two and a half hour run, at the end I'm, I wanted to keep going. Like I could feel like my body was definitely, the fitness was there. And I was, I felt good about that considering where I was a year ago after I ran Boston. I was not in a good place. Yeah, so different. But I think that what I noticed for myself, at least, is that I was asking about those things, but my, like, I didn't feel any of the future in my body, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't have any anxiety around it or anxiousness or anything because I was so rooted in the now, even though I was asking about those things. Like, the things that I thought would worry me down the road, like, I didn't let myself think too much about the repelling down the waterfall until I got there. And then I was like, well, this is scary. And then I was just in it and then it was over. And I think that that was helpful versus running up, you know, 20 some miles and then stressing about it the whole time. So I think I did a lot more to be in the moment than like thinking ahead to the next drop spot or whatever, like the thing that I was worried about coming ahead. If I didn't have that courage to look at what I was fearful of, I never would have started trail running. And when I started trail running, I started trail running by myself. And so I really got a chance to face those fears. And I've been looking into like what courage means recently. And because I talk about how it really takes courage to live, you know, the life that you and I live, BJ. And courage is, is not about not being afraid. It's about being afraid but you're not paralyzed. And I think that that's a great way to transmute fear into courage and, and keep moving forward. So what you're fearful of is gonna remain there until you deal with it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Jess, your host, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. She is a limb of her mothership, Yogi Triathlete Holistic Performance. We are triathlon and run coaching, yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and plant-based nutrition. And we, as in all of you and us and Clark and our guests today, are on a mission to create a better world. So thank you so much for coming back week after week. We know you guys have a choice, and we really are in deep thanks of all of you. We feel this community. We're getting more and more people reaching out to us, coming up to us at races, introducing themselves. So please keep coming out of the woodwork, you guys. We are a family. We are a tribe. And this community is one badass, powerful force that will not be stopped. So I'm coming to you today with Beej with Liz McCutcheon, Yogi Triathlete athlete, with Jill Naraki. Did I get it? <laughs> yep. All right. I had about 20 times pronounced it the wrong way. And uh, the three of us, the three gals, finished, the, not only finished, but we crushed the Mendocino 50K. So that's what we're going to smack down today and flesh out is our experience on the trail with the intention that it will share some insight into what this ultra running thing is all about and the inspiration that we all have for moving forward and continuing to push ourselves by peeling back those layers and shining our inner badass to the rest of the world. And that's what we're all about here at Yogi Triathlete, you guys. So i um, super grateful to have these amazing ladies to have shared the trail with them yesterday. And um, congratulations, you guys, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. 
Told you that was mandatory. You had to say thank you for having us. <laughs> All right. How are you feeling? Let's let's start with just like right now, the present moment. Liz, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. A little sore. Some knee stuff going on, but normal stuff. Feeling and awesome. You had some knee stuff going on in the trail yesterday. Yes. We're going to get into that and how you navigated that. Yep. How's the mindset? What are you thinking about? What you accomplished yesterday, your first ultra. You've been a runner for a really, really long time. You were on the podcast with me back earlier in March after we did an epic training weekend and prep for this race. So where are you mentally? I'm good. I can't believe it's over. I can't believe we did it already. I feel like it went so fast. Like it went fast, but it didn't go fast. Like the last eight miles, <laughs> yes. even though they were our <laughs> fastest miles, didn't go very fast. Right. That stretch to the campground was like a marathon. But where do you are you feeling like psyched? Are you glad you did it? What do you think about your experienced marathoner and road racer? What do you think about the trail? I loved it. It was so like it was hard to remember what you were doing at the time mm -hmm. because everything was so beautiful. Like the trails, everything was so green, the flowers, the views, the people. Yeah, us we, laughing. And we had done, BJ and I fun. did a, we did a mindfulness talk on Friday and it was so cool because I walked into the room and I thought I was in the wrong room because it was like packed, which um, is amazing to me. And that's beautiful. And I think that's a sign for what's happening in the future. People are waking up to this and they know that there's a easier way to flow in life and to be super skillful. And um, I kept seeing people out on the trail. Like I remember I passed some people and they were like, you're the mindful lady. And <laughs> what you said yesterday, I'm doing it right now. It's just so cool. Um, Jill, you are an experienced marathoner training in Brooklyn for this ultra marathon <laughs> trail race. And how are you feeling today? Um, I feel great. I think yesterday was really good. I felt lucky that I got to be behind you for a bit of it since it was my first time running on the trails. <laughs> you had a couple first time things yesterday. First we'll get into river that. crossing, first <laughs> trail flop, first <laughs> rappelling down a waterfall. In trail Just shoes. Regular, yeah, first time in my trail <laughs> shoes. So what do, you think, what do you think about that thing where they say, don't try anything new on race day? Does it pertain to you? Yeah. Though? Just like everything else. No. <laughs> no, I guess. I don't know. You get out there and you just do it. You do what you do with what you've got. So yeah, so you literally had like brand new shoes yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that you well, told me. They used the day before when we went out for our shakeout. Shake and ride. you said that you wore them to work once. Mm -hmm. And then you wore them on the treadmill once. Yeah. Did you have did you have any moments of like I'm wearing brand new sho shoes and I'm running on the trail which I haven't done and I'm like doing these steep downhills and up like did you have any fear about like what the hell am I doing wearing brand new shoes only when I first bought them because I literally <laughs> bought those shoes took them well they came to my house so I had them in the middle of the night I started panicking about it and ordered another pair of trail shoes just to have a backup that then came and were too small, so I sent them back and thought that was just a sign. But weren't the shoes you had on yesterday kind of too small, too? <laughs> After my feet expanded <laughs> 30 miles in, yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to be a few toenails short in a few days. I think you're going to be a few toenails and a few layers of skin short, too. <laughs> I think it's funny that like how the mind works, that you got these new shoes and then you started freaking out about having new shoes, so you ordered more new shoes <laughs> that, that were going to maybe make you feel better. Yeah. 
It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't so, work. But I did put my regular shoes that I'm used to running in in my drop bag, which I then didn't take anything out of at all. But I think it gave me peace of mind on the trail. Yeah, I felt like when we were at the drop bag station, <laughs> we were trying to figure out what to do with the stuff, but we actually really didn't need it at all. Um, all right, let's talk about training. Liz, you're training with BJ. BJ is my coach as well. BJ, what, what did you do for Liz training back east like how because for me it was easy you just throw me on the trails throw me in a minivan at 4 30 in the morning with a bunch of trail runners and then i was off yeah that was pretty easy All yeah i do is wake up with you i was easy drive a mile up the road yeah liz uh training back in uh new england at this time it was a really really tough tough winter and uh liz didn't get on the trails until what five six weeks ago maybe less yeah. Definitely less. <laughs> yeah. So you were doing a lot on the road. Yes. And, um, and luckily, you do live in a hilly section. So the, the, it was very yes. rolly. So you could get the hills in. Yeah. And then we added the Mendo Maker. That was a um, good one. Yeah. And it, it, simulates, it simulates some of the things you'll experience on uh, a rocky, you know, hilly trail. But it also brings in the strength factor of jumping off the treadmill and doing some other stuff and then jumping back on. So it adds that variety. But yeah, so for Liz, you know, I think we got you up to four and a half, five hours out there for a run. Yeah. And then uh, Liz came out to visit us, yeah. as you know, a few weeks ago for a big, big training weekend, which I think was really key because it got her out of the, uh, the weather, the cold, uh, to experience some warmth. Because it was definitely warmer yesterday. It was probably 55, 60 tops. Towards the end, I would say it was warmer. Or than warmer that. than that, yeah. Definitely warmer than that. So it's Didn't good to get some. Yeah, it was forty something to start, but yeah. So the training, I think, training was just the focus was to get you to consistently be out there, putting a load on. Maybe not the load of trail running, but the simulation of hills, downhills, uh, duration. I think I, I had you do um, a long run, and then the next day come back and do recovery or even uh, add some extra runs on and walking. We did yeah. a lot of walking. Did a lot of walking. <clears throat> yeah. Was able to and was able to include my dogs Thor and Ginger to, on that, so we could. And I got on the trails that way. I would wear my snowshoes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. I only fell a few times on those. Well, that's that's my that was we had this discussion, but that was my hesitation for you going out and running on these snowy trails, especially within yeah. the weeks leading into the race where you hadn't before was just the potential to, you know, sort of slip and slide. But um, you navigated it well, and you had a great race. But I don't know, what, what was your perspective of of the training? I thought the training was really, like, I had no perspective because I've never run <laughs> one of these races before. And I'll, the key was coming out to see you guys in California the beginning of March and doing that trail run with you, Jess, where we did over four hours, and we climbed, like, 3,000, descended 3,000, because then my quads really got a workout. That And then coming back a day later to do the half, after I did that, I felt much more confident about doing the race. Um, now that I have perspective after the race, for next time, I definitely need to do more climbing and descending, like going up and down, up and down. Just, I think that's where I need to strengthen myself a little bit more. But I thought the training overall was awesome. Like It couldn't have gone better, and I felt good the majority <clears throat> of the race yesterday, I think, when my right knee started bothering, that was just because I'd been on my feet so long. That's just what that was. And I have to strengthen some other stuff there. But nothing, I don't think we could have done anything differently. I don't think so either. And, you know, when I came off of last year doing this race, I said to BJ, more hiking. Definitely yeah. more hiking. 
And so I did more hiking. I went, I went bigger, bigger trails <clears throat> this year, longer miles, uh, more hiking, more just pounding downhills. But if I didn't have the base of last year, if I didn't have the 50K experience, I, I don't think I would have been able, I couldn't have built any more last year than I did. And so I was taking all of last year and then building on that. And I felt a huge difference on the trail yesterday. The downhill, definitely more in flow and more of just allowing my legs to go hard and fast down without worrying about, because they're just pounding down, but allowing that to happen and just trusting the training that I have. But I would say the biggest difference I found was hiking. That's where I would pass the most people was in the hiking. And I just felt like I could go forever. And I think that was the the hiking that I've been doing on these longer trail runs. So maybe we're out there for, you know, four and a half hours and I'm getting, you know, 17 miles in or 15 miles at a four hour workout. But like the quality and the strength, I, I felt that yesterday and I saw so many people faltering on that piece. So I think for you, Liz, is, you know, and, and BJ, you guys working together, you just, you just build on what you have and right. then that takes it to the next level because I think for where because would you agree that trail riding is a completely different sport oh absolutely it's a totally it's like I can't, a brand you can't new even sport. compare it to the you road you can't even compare no, it it's crazy even, I, no. I didn't understand that until I started doing it and so I think that like you come you come away with that like okay now let's build more height like because you can have more power on the uphills more power absolutely. on the downhills and um, I was a huge pusher of strength, and I think there were times where BJ was like, "All right, well, you're getting kind of close. Like you're doing all the strength." And I'm, but I would even just do ten minutes, one round of strength before I went out to run. Like it, I just felt like it because I remembered last year, like more strength, more strength, more strength. And I think that it's not about going forty minutes every day. Like towards the end, he would be like, "Okay, ten minutes of strength or fifteen minutes of strength." It's just continuing to keep those muscles firing so that when you get tired, those muscles are used to firing yeah. and you're not compensating. Well, and I feel like coming out to run with you on those trails, I learned a lot about going downhill with the same th going in flow. And I saw that yesterday when we had that big descent. I also felt like Jill and I both did really well. We passed people going on the uphill too. Yeah, you just guys. Just powering up. We're amazing. Those hills. Let's, let's, uh, let's <laughs> those take it verts. over to Jill. Let's use the term, those verts. Yeah, the verts. So they say the vert. Uh, Jill, your we talked a little bit about yes. your trail experience uh, training in Brooklyn, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to get you on this podcast because it's possible, people, if you live in Manhattan, to train for a trail race. You know, I mean, it's obviously it's not ideal, but you you made it work, and so. You were amazing out there yesterday. Oh, thanks. Really, really amazing. And I'm glad that you fell so then we could all be like, good, because that's over with. <laughs> yeah, because it was like... <laughs> that's a right. It's a right. of There were so many times where I was like, girl, pick up your feet. I could, like, there was one time, like, at the beginning, like, I saw this drag. Like, there was, like, a mark behind her foot. I'm like, she's going to fall so freaking hard. So we were, like, yelling at her all day, pick up your feet. And um, so finally she fell around, like, mile 18. <laughs> I think we all breathed a sigh of relief that we had gotten that out of the way. That was the only time I fell. It was also. the only time. Well, well except for, except for when you took a Greg Luganis dive into the creek. <laughs> um, so having the experience that you had yesterday, 
What do you think was key in your training to prepare you for, because there's no way you could have imagined what we were doing yesterday or simulated that. So looking back on your training, what were some key workouts that you did that you feel like helped you prepare for you, prepare you for that yesterday? I mean, I did some hill repeats and stuff like that, but I think that in the end it was just being sure that I always got my long runs in when I learned about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and eating real food on the runs instead of just goos and salt tabs and stuff like that. I mean, I think that changed everything. But more than that, I feel like I am really used to running on roads, obviously, and in cities, and so... A lot of what kept me going yesterday was just how beautiful everything was and how different it is than where I am. And, you know, I've run on trails one time before. And I remember going back to Brooklyn after that and going for runs in my regular places and being like, man, this place is a dump. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, and I love it. And I love living there and running there and um, the community that's there. But I, it's nice to come and be somewhere that's so, every single term was different and beautiful and it's, yeah. it's hard to get, it's hard to go in, I think it's hard to get into a dark place out there. Now, you know, ask me that after a hundred miler, but 50K is totally doable. What do you think about that for somebody who's a marathoner? So you've been a marathoner mm-hmm. for a while and um, somebody who's a marathon, like, oh, I could never do an ultra. I, I've always thought, even when I was at that distance, like, it's not, if I can do a marathon, I could totally do a 50K. Well, I was surprised by yesterday. I think now I'm like, oh, I wonder what else I can do. Yeah. You know, well, but I think never once yesterday, there was in the big descent that Liz was talking about, I definitely was sort of like, well, that's the last time I'm going to see everyone on this race. <laughs> but, um, you know, then that wasn't the case and everything settled out. But I think that um, I never once got into like a negative thought pattern out there. I never became self-critical of myself or anything like that. I think because I was doing all this new stuff. You know, I had new shoes. I had never been on trails. <laughs> I was doing all this stuff and was like, wow, I'm doing this. This is happening. And it wasn't, there was no part of me that was like, pick up the pace. You're disappointing yourself. You're not good enough to be out here or anything like that. It was just like, wow, this is, huh, look at this, you know? Yeah, it was, you were saying like, it was like an adventure. Like every step was brand new. Yeah, and it's always changing. It's not, I think I'm also so used to being on the road where it's about the cadence and about just being slow and steady, or not even slow and steady, but just steady. And there was nothing steady about yesterday. There's nothing steady <laughs> about yesterday. No. And then you realize that once you start, once you start doing the ups and the downs, and then you have to start going flat, the flat is the hardest. Oh. Right? Yes. <laughs> so. Why is that? Uh, so. Explain that. Well, what I think is that the up, like you're hiking, you're kind of power hiking. So it's like, I'm just like doing walking lunges up (laughs) and then the down, I'm just pounding down. Like I'm, it's momentum. It's like, it's kind of fun because it's scary because you know, and I've fallen on the downhill. It's absolutely not fun. (laughs) <laughs> but I also like I also like to, you know, be on the edge. And I and I kind of channel like my old snowboarding days. Remember when we'd all mm-hmm. be up at the top and you'd be like, Jess, don't lose us. And I would like take off and I would lose everybody and I would go way too fast. And I would go to a point on my snowboard when I thought, well, mm-hmm. I want to get to the speed that if I if I go down, it might be the end. 
right? Like if I get, that's how fast I used to like to go on my snowboard. Like just like if I go down, like let me just go down like fast and furious. Um, so that I kind of channel like a little bit of that comes back for me on the downhills and I love it. Except for this time I'm not like, you know, drink had been drinking prior or smoking anything <laughs> illegal. Wearing a helmet. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or wearing a helmet. Um, but, uh, but no, I'm just like, it's just full, unadulterated, sober, like amazing play for me to go down. So then when you're going flat, it's, it's that, I think for me, that's where the mind comes in of like, yes. how much longer are we going to go? How much longer get is this? Get me out of here. When, when do, am I seeing when does the water it get to, again? When does it change <laughs> again? Ocean? Yeah. When does it change again? Um, and also you're climbing, so you're using those climbing muscles, then you're pounding, and then when you're running flat, you're kind of using everything that's already fatigued, nothing's really getting a rest. Mm -hmm. And I think I first experienced this when we did Ironman Cozumel, because people would be like, oh, a flat Ironman, it's it's easier. And I never bought into anything being easier about an Ironman, but I had always loved Ironman Lake Placid, Ironman Coeur d'Alene, the ones that were really hilly and described as difficult. But when we went to Cozumel, that was probably my most difficult Iron Man because you just never nothing ever got a break. And so possibly this is just something that I love is the ups and the downs because now I'm seeing a trend that, you know, I loved the Austin Marathon, which was super hilly. And, you know, I never really I never really liked flat courses. But physiologically, I think it's just because nothing gets a break. And then the mental piece can come in because it's maybe it's a little bit boring even though when you're trail running if you're not looking like right in front of you because the, the tiniest little root or rock will take you down <laughs> yeah. so it definitely keeps you awake and ready but does that answer the question mm -hmm. what do you guys yeah, think i'm just curious because when i when i perceive it as the flat it's like the fast section like now i get really get to get things rolling but when you're in that trail running mentality i think that you explained it well where it keeps your mind occupied you're going up and down and when you really have to focus on the present moment you got to push a little bit there too you push there that's probably why it's harder and it may be a little boring but that's when you're with yourself there's really not much you have to do there's no climbing or descending you're just kind of cruising i think it's the pushing when you don't want to push like we definitely got yes. to a point like around mile it was like 18 to 21 and i was like you know what you guys we could get really like mm. we gotta really watch ourselves like we could yes. get really lazy yes. right here and it was just it was gorgeous it was like fern gully i remember it from yeah. last year it was absolutely gorgeous perfect single track but i could tell like and this is when we were like laughing uh -huh. and you know and i could feel us starting to get a little lazy like it would have been easy to be like walk break well about a month ago, Jill came out to see me in Boston, and we did this 20-miler that's flat and fast that goes from Maine back into Massachusetts. And I remember <clears throat> thinking, oh, it's flat. But I'm like you. Flat, to me, is not fun. It might be fast, but I need hills in my running. I need the I need the breakup. Because we even towards the end, that's why... I started going and I'm like, come on, Jill, we, let's, I was just ready to be done. Let's get this thing done. And it was from point to point and just the road kept going and going and going. And we're like, when is it going to end? <laughs> so yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said. Yeah. And I think in, especially at the end where it's flat along the headlands and you I was just pushing so hard there and it hurt, it hurt so much, but it was more of like, I felt like I was carrying like a 
tractor trailer behind me. Everything just <laughs> felt so heavy. And my I was breathing really hard, but I I had my own self in my head, like, just feel this step. And as soon as I would come back to the present moment, I had no problems. I had no tractor trailer. Like, everything was awesome. And then I was, like, you know, really calling in higher energies, like, calling in the higher energies and, and like, feeling and being, like... And, and that almost kept, took my mind off the physical. It was like I was really feeling into these higher energies of just propelling me forward and being like, I am not, I am not the doer. I'm not the doer. Like at the end, I was like, I am not the doer. I am being done right now. And then I was like, let's just get done sooner. So I felt like I was really able to push yesterday more than I more than I could last year. I felt like there was a little more dramatics last year, like really having a hard time breathing and things like that. I felt like at the end, I didn't feel like, I felt the freest probably I'd felt the whole day and I just went and I didn't feel any pain and I just was going. I was just going. What, I don't know what, I, I was just Going. Tell people about the finish when so we've been in the woods now. We leave the starting line. We go ten miles into basically along the forest, and then we go into what Jill described as <laughs> legit forest. Yeah, and tell people about the end of the race when you come out of that forest. Is this before or after the climb down? This is after, <laughs> like when you come out. Oh yeah, well the first time that you see like oh my well, god, I think you're on you the coast. Come down that. What you think is the end of that rappelling, and then they tell you you actually have to go down the waterfall. <laughs> and then, for me, it was like, that's where you think you're going to die. And then you come up and go around and see all of the ocean, and yeah. it's like, oh, wait, nope, you're alive, and this is... Yeah. All life. Is that the part you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm talking okay. about how <laughs> we stopped. We're like, we what I'm talking yeah, about is like three pictures, pictures there. Is how gorgeous the finish is and uh, how did that affect you? Um, I thought the sand sucked. So. Yeah, there's well, a little section where why. you have to run. So for people who don't um, know the course, at about mile, what do you think? Like 28. Eight and a half, you rappel down a hundred and forty foot cliff, which is wet. Let's let's call it we were mountaineering. Mountaineering. <laughs> and it's all of a sudden you need like serious skills and you're gripping onto a soaking wet rope yeah. and you're totally fatigued. It kind of reminded me of like when people would ask me, like, so when you do a triathlon, is the swim the last thing? And I'm like, no, because everybody would die. Like, and I was kind of thinking, and I'm like, this is like kind of like having the swim at the end of an Ironman, like what we're doing right now. Because all of a sudden, I had to use all these skills that I had not been using. And I was like, okay, I got to find this. And trying to like turn around and see if there was any footing beneath me, like when I had felt like I had very little rotation. So there is that, which is super fun. So we're just kind of being dramatic about it. Kind of and kind of not, because you could definitely die. And But then you come out and you come to the coast, the headlands in Mendocino. And if you've never been out to Northern California, it reminds me of like the 
the coast of Maine. Very rugged yes. coastline. I'd agree. But the water is like the color of the Caribbean. Yes. It's like mm, turquoise. It's and it the wind was blowing crazy. Like we all talked about how we were getting blown all over the place. Well, and some so of the sunny. trail was like so narrow, like you couldn't even get your we were almost falling over. Yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> but for me, like all of a sudden it was like I felt like I just looked at that and was like, all that power out there that's yeah. moving the ocean, that power is me. And then I was like, that don't worry about the wind because it's going to be to our backs at some point. And it did get to mm-hmm. our backs, which was awesome. But how did, yeah, I mean, did you feel that power? Were you able to draw from that at all or were you just? I did. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was. I just knew. I don't know what it was in me. Like it was almost like my knee didn't hurt anymore. Nothing hurt. And I knew I needed like some type of nutrition or or drink of water, but I didn't care. I just knew that I, it's like I could see the finish, even though I couldn't see the finish. And I just went, I couldn't stop myself from going. And now I want to try to next time tap into that way earlier Mm. instead of when I did. I would say, and I want to, I have a question um, back to Jill's training, but for me, when we hit aid station four, which was 20, how many miles was that? 24 miles? 22.4. Okay. So we had oh, some, yeah. there was definitely incorrect mileage yeah. yes, we were, along the way there. Tough, tough um, for me. I didn't even ask them what it was. I just knew we were about eight or 10 miles or so away. I started pushing it then. Like as soon as we got to that aid station, that's where I turned it on. And so I was kind of breathless from that aid station to the finish, which, um, that, yeah, that was tough. Um, but Jill, well, I want to get back to your training. So having the experience you had yesterday, mm-hmm. what would you have done more of in your training? Or what, let me, <clears throat> let me really rephrase that to, to <laughs> truth. What will you shift in your training leading into your next ultra? Um, well, I think I definitely need to focus more on downhills because I really enjoy going uphill and I feel strong going uphill. But when it comes to going downhill, I don't have very sure footing at all. And was sort of at one point was like, Liz, what are we supposed to do when we're going downhill? Because I was watching you guys do it. And then trying to emulate it myself, and it wasn't really working. It, yeah, it's it definitely really like worked, so. experience um, is what's going to... confidence. Yeah. 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 So I think that, um, and probably focusing on more strength stuff too, um, but I didn't feel nearly as fatigued as I thought that I would. And yeah. then also, at the end, normally when I come to the end of a race, I feel like I just want it to be over. And then I'm battling with that. And I feel like this time I was almost slowing down because I didn't want it to end because it's so different from anything that I've ever done. Yeah. And it's really different from what I'm going back to running into. So oh, yeah. I kind of wanted to, like, you know, look at everything, see mm-hmm. everything, take it all in versus just get to the finish, which is how I normally feel. Now, BJ, you haven't done you haven't done this course yet. Um but no, you know Brooklyn, and you know the city, and you know what I've told you about the course, and what what we've what we've heard so far. What would you recommend for an athlete, like in an in an area where whether it's the city or the flats, how could they prepare for this? Like using what they have at yeah. home and in their surroundings. <laughs> yeah, stairs. 
obviously stairs would be amazing and uh a stairmaster would probably be awesome walking up and walking like backwards are you supposed to do that really fast what is the mm. okay no. and then put all your weight on the bars <laughs> and then you ground yeah. <laughs> yeah but i guess i just never know when you're you just go you just get on it and you just go you just go yeah you'd want to what's the i would do a varying pace but i would keep your cadence slow I would keep it like your grind, like your you're like doing you're squats. Yeah. Wow. Like, Power hiking. And I would also say working on the arms. Mm -hmm. That was one thing I would see people with their arms by their sides yeah. and on their quads. And I'm like, <laughs> and I would, I would tell her, I'm like, Jill, use your arms. Your arms, your legs are gonna follow what your arms are doing. Yeah. Like go to some of those early mall walking groups. Because yeah. <laughs> they definitely have the ultra they arm swing. It. Oh, they got it. <laughs> but I would do downhill running too. So you just talked about solid with the uphill. Awesome. Like and incorporate that weekly, but also start incorporating the downhill. It's gonna fatigue your, it's gonna fatigue your legs. The day after you do downhill should absolutely be recovery. Maybe even the second day after to let all that fitness and mm -hmm. um, uh, taxing your your muscles, your quads, uh, let them allow to absorb all that activity and that pounding. Um, but again, it's not something that you should do. Go out there and jump and do like ten times one minute down a hill. Like ease into these things because they can seriously wreak havoc on your legs. Yeah, seriously. BJ started with me where I would go out and do. It was like double repeats. I called it the double whammy, where you had to go up hard, but then come down hard. And I think he started me at like three or four, and then I worked up to like eight. And where you're running hard up. You take 10 seconds and then you just book it. Like you're just going and letting, you don't, and you're not letting your quad stop you from going down. Yeah, you're That's running, the key. You're running into the, into the yes. downhill. You're not holding your, you're not pounding back. Yeah. And then spacing it out, doing it at the beginning of the run and doing it at the end of the run. Mm. Yeah. So now you're varying, you get steady, then you do the hills, then you use steady and then you do the hills again. So now it's fatigued. That depended on three, four hour runs. When I was able to finally get on the trail the last two or three weeks before the race, he would have me in the middle and at the end do hill repeats. And it's like in the middle, I almost liked that break in what I was doing. But then when I did them at the end, you could totally feel the difference and the fatigue that had set in. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it also, it all serves, a, it's, it's yeah. specificity, right? Yeah. You want specificity. Also lunges and squats, reverse side lunges oh, I think and walking, lunges. walking lunges yeah. is huge because that's, and I do none of that. Yeah. yeah and <laughs> I do none of that. I don't stretch. I mean, I'm like, you're surprised <laughs> that I'm even moving. I think this is an opening experience for you because you've done how many marathons? Nine. Nine. So, and I'm doing one this fall that Liz is going to train me for. So, I love it because I used so an amazing. online plan for this. So, what was your? Okay, let's let's go into some hard facts here. What was your Jill? What was your longest run and mileage leading up to this? Mileage, yeah. So I did oh, yeah. all. I know Liz was doing times and I just did miles. So I did three 20 mile runs during the course of training, which I think my training was 15 weeks or something. I started sometime in January. And what was your high mileage for the week? <clears throat> um, well, I was doing a lot of cycling too because I found that if I run more than four days a week, I either get sick of doing it or my legs start to feel it differently. So um, I think it was in the like, low 40s I never really got super high mm -hmm. which had me worried coming into it but then I think it turned out to be totally fine 
Yeah, coming into it last year, I was like in the 30s a lot with one week over 40 mm. because I was really coming back from a break and that was just where I was, but I was able to build And you're a still lot training more. for triathlon. Yeah, and I was training for a half Ironman um, last year as well. Um, Liz, what was your longest run mileage for the week? Like, where were you? My, lo- my longest runs were I had two 20 milers, one where BJ gave me, I had a four hour run one day and I pushed it to get 20 in there. And, and then I ha- the next day I had to go back out and run another hour or an hour and 20. Oof. Those two days, but I did it. Um, and then I did the 20 miler with Jill <clears throat> when she came out to see me. My highest mileage week was over fi- like 52. And it was the week we did the trail run and then the half. A la the epic training weekend. Did you have any other 50-mile weeks? No, but I had, like, back-to-back, like, high 40s, getting near 50. What I loved about where I was at with this training was just how adapted my body was and how fit it felt. Like, towards the end, when when BJ would tell me to go out and do a a two-and-a-half-hour run, at the end, I wanted to keep going. Like I could feel like my body was definitely, the fitness was there. And I was, I felt good about that considering where I was a year ago after I ran Boston. I was not in a good place. Yeah, so different. I think you and I had similar summers where I was, I was healing some stuff in my body. You were healing some stuff in your body, re-patterning the way that you moved. And adding a meditation. And so me. BJ, how mm-hmm. did you, well, first of all, let me answer the question myself. So my longest run hour was five and a half hours, but that was 22 miles. And that was on the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm-hmm. But we were, it was, we were in snow. Um, we were in like blazing heat. We were in cold. It was crazy. Uh, I actually even think we were in Mexico as one of us got a text on their phone. Welcome to Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, and that <laughs> oh was a, God. that was a nice long day, but that was 22 miles. So that was my longest run. And uh, my highest mileage was a 50-mile week. But then I was hanging in the 40s a lot. Then in, like, the last month, I was really feeling the fatigue of my body. And I was feeling some stuff that needed to, like, it just started to spring up, some plantar fasciitis stuff. And so my mileage had been down, like, into the 30s for the last, like, at least three weeks Mm -hmm. of training. But it was fine, like. I would just say to BJ, like, I'm good, right? And he's like, oh, my God, you're so fine. And just knowing that I had so much in the bank already, you know, and um, I knew I was going to be fine. BJ, so with Liz and I coming back this year, like, kind of from scratch, yes, we have a lot of years under our belt. How did you get us back into training and up to ultramarathon shape from basically when neither of us were running? Yeah, I think a combination of a few things, uh, yoga was a big thing to keep that body uh, body feeling good, but also to really check your ego. And we started, I think, with like 30, 20 and 30 minute runs when you were coming back. And especially with Liz, you were pool jogging. I don't know if you go back to when you were pool oh, jogging. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Getting in the pool. <laughs> and walking, <laughs> walking, right? I give walking out a lot for people. You're still moving the body and you're still gaining miles, but you're on your feet and that, that just can't be substituted. Um, strength work too. I think strength work is, yeah. is absolutely important. And, and it's the balance. 
it's the balance of all those things, but I feel the feedback that I get from both you and Liz is, is I can tell when you're ready to be bumped up. So when you were just talking about going two and a half hours and you wanted more at that point, that's where I wanted you. I want you to want more, but be able to, to be okay with whatever you had. And there were workouts there when I felt it was okay to give you ranges, right? I was like, go to three or five hours. Yeah right? Go to three hours and then see where you're, you're at. Now that only, not only um, is a safe way to train because you're, you're tuning into your body, but it also gives you the ability to separate ego from, from what truly should be going on, right? Your ego is probably like, oh my God, he put three to five. I'm definitely going five. And I think you went one, one time to the max, which is okay. I knew you would. Um, cause it was the first time I gave it to you, <laughs> but the, uh, the point is to get in at least the mile, the, uh, the time that I, that's necessary, but also to give you the ability to just be accountable to yourself right. and to check in like truly, do I need to go five hours today? I don't know what you, sometimes what you have planned in the afternoon, what you have planned that night, like what's going on in life. There's all the stresses. So that's where the ownership, ownership comes in. So, and you just, you you were walking and, and slowly coming up. I think you were actually swimming. You were swimming mm-hmm. some, incorporating that into training. Lots of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing lots of, I was doing, through the height of my training, I was doing yoga <clears throat> six, six days a week. I mean, there were weeks where I was doing it seven days a week because it just, I didn't swim as much this year. I wasn't biking at all. And the yoga was really, really good and walking. for my body. I remember giving you walks with Clark. A yeah. lot of times. Yep. So again, the walking and doing stairs by the beach. Yep. Yeah. So it, and it's, it's all a slow, consistent program. That's what. Like you started me with like eight minutes of walking and like three minutes of running when I started to come back to running. Mm-hmm. But all summer I was doing like hour, hour and a half walks. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice too. Yeah. Like as much as I, I love like it. those last eight miles of like pushing it and being like, oh my God. I like going for long walks and just doing mm-hmm. yoga and not really like. It's nice <sighs> to have that break. Having clothes yeah. that smell like they want to make me throw up, you know? Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Well, and I think that's one thing that um, added to my training too is the fact that I walk so much where I live that it's, you know, maybe I my high week might have been 45 or 47, but that's the running part of it. And then I think I'm walking easily five miles a day and oftentimes more than that. So um, at the end of the week, that amps up your mileage and time on your feet just from life. Mm-hmm. Totally. It all adds up. It all adds up. <clears throat> Nothing is for uh, a waste. What were some, Jill, what was like a key moment for you like on the trail yesterday, something that you were really glad you had, really glad you did, or something that kind of saved you? Along the way. Um, I think there were a couple of them. One of them was when after I had been dying down that hill thinking I would never see you two again, when I saw Liz again, I was like, oh, all right, this is different. Like I had sort of been in that place in my mind where I I wasn't giving up or anything, but I had just sort of resigned myself to knowing that the next rest of the race was going to be alone and then I realized oh it doesn't have to be that way we're that was early too that was probably like the half marathon mark yeah um I think 
As you know, I'm a huge proponent of that Monistat anti-chafing cream that is the best stuff ever. I think it puts body glide to shame. It is the best. I mean, you can't tell that I used it if you look at my back, but um, <laughs> but it definitely, I mean, it's like great. It's easy to pass out to other people. Um, so I'm really glad I had that. And then I think I'll always remember that place that we came to with the sort of like perfect pitch down where we're running through yellow flowers on all mm-hmm. sides of us. And it was like running through a tunnel of sunshine or something that just felt so good. So those were my favorite parts and the thing I was, and my parents came and that was nice. So good to have family support. Yeah, and it was, um, you know, I wish Monistat didn't brand themselves <laughs> as the yeast infection people because... You're thinking of Vagisil? No, Vagisil is like, well, not that I'm familiar with Vagisil, but... <laughs> I've heard that Vagisil is like killer for ultra runners. Like, it's the best lube. And that's what we thought you had, but yeah. then you pulled it out with Monistat. But it's like, it's just like Vaseline. Um, but with a powder base, so... Oh, is that what yeah. it is? Or something. That's what it says on the tube. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was um, – were you using that on your back? Because that wouldn't actually be good advertising at all. I put J- it on in the very beginning, but as you know, it was a long time. Jill so. has like a seven and a half wide <laughs> by three and a half inch deep <laughs> chafe on her back, which I believe is from carrying Liz's diamond ring no, for not. 17 I miles in her back pocket. Yeah. There's some things that anti-chafing hey. cream can't prevent. Yeah, it can from. cut glass and it can chafe you like – Nothing. But I also recall do. maybe you using some of that. Yeah, well, <laughs> sure. We can jump over to me and then go back to Liz. Um, I was starting to feel this interesting new chafing area where it felt like my left butt had kind of like dropped, like it had like a Bell's palsy kind of syndrome. And then it was like rubbing up against the back of my hamstring. I wasn't quite sure with this how these two parts of my skin were touching, but they were. And so I pulled out Body Glide, which I've never used on the um on the on the trail before. In 2016, Mike Wardian, one of the best ultra runners, gave me two little things of squirrel butter, which is like anti-chafe stuff. And I just ran out of it, so I didn't really have anything. And I was like, oh, I saw one girl on the trail one day use Body Glide, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just use that. But there was always something about that, but I was like, but I never <laughs> use that on the run of, a mar- of an Iron Man. Like, I only use that, like, around my neck and my wrist for a wetsuit. Use Vaseline on the run. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what. I kind of had, like, this mind block. So I got this totally overpriced, tiny <laughs> little thing of, of um, body glide, and a as I started running yesterday, I realized I hadn't even put it on. And I remember saying that. I'm like, I have body glide, but I didn't put it on. So it's probably better to use it proactively than reactively. But that's what ended up happening is I used it reactively. And I so I got the body glide out and I started putting it on like this, this raw part of my body. And that did not feel good at all. And then uh, to be totally transparent, I like around mile 18, I peed and I like it was mess like I just peed all over myself kind of thing <laughs> and it immediately made me think about how people pee on you when you get a jellyfish sting and I can't imagine that what I experienced yesterday would have been worse than a jellyfish sting like a man of war sting 
<laughs> because that's what it felt. It felt like somebody had just poured like alcohol or vinegar on like oh, raw open wounds. So I was like, Jill, give me the Vagicel. And out came Turns the monastat. Actually, <laughs> one girl was running by and gave me something. And I put a whole bunch of that on and that made a difference. But then I was like, I want more. I need to build a wall of lube. And so it was just like my inner thighs. Like just, I didn't, I wasn't, it was kind of a rookie move. Like it was definitely a rookie move having been an athlete for for over a decade it was total rookie move not not putting anti chafe where it was chafe so that was a moment around mile 18 where i was reborn was just loading on that monostat onto my legs and whatever this area on the back of my thigh and whatever other part of my body that was rubbing up against it to remove skin um that was amazing and that whole section was like, we got up to the aid station at mile 17, which is where our drop bags were, and they were rowdy, they were crazy, and then the monostat thing went down, and then a mile down the road was Skip from Healdsburg Running Company, and he was like, it was like he had a like a full party house party, but it was only him, <laughs> and then we moved into this incredible descent, which was the perfect pitch, and it, like... Like Jill said, yeah. there were these wildflowers that had grown into a canopy and we were running through them and like our heads were touching. So like Jill was running in front of me and there was just like yellow flowers like falling like behind her. It was absolutely gorgeous. And so that was like, <laughs> that was pretty much set me up for like, I don't know what it was. It was like halfway through, not even halfway. Th yeah, it was halfway through, a little bit more than halfway through. And that, I was like a rebirth. That whole section for me was a rebirth. And it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then the, I would say the second part was when I realized like, okay, no more peanut butter and jellies, no more go macro bars, no more whole foods. You need to start taking in some stuff that's easily absorbable, easier on the belly. And I started doing that around mile 20-ish, I ate a whole sleeve of Cliff Blocks, Tropical <laughs> Punch, which were like, I know there's a couple servings tropical. in here, but I just <laughs> I just ate the whole thing. And I felt that sugar rush. Um, so switching that nutrition over, and I want to talk about nutrition too, because that's a good subject for people to hear about, but switching that nutrition, having that like acute self-awareness of being like, okay, good. Belly is full of whole foods. I've done a great job at digesting that. I knew I was going to go hard those last 10 miles. So I wanted to start prepping my belly. Um, and when I made that switch, that was another rebirth section. Liz, what about you? What's the original question? The original question <laughs> is like, were there moments on the trail where you had like, you know, I don't know, a, a moment of like transformation or, um, where maybe something got tough and you were able to come out of it? So for me, I feel like the first moment was the first aid station and we did founder's pose because I found that with all the training I did and the taper and I was being really mindful about recovery and taking care of myself these last two weeks, I felt like the first few miles should have felt better than they did and they did not. And I was getting tight in my upper hamstrings, across my glutes, into my lower back. And I was trying to keep it together and not like project to the future and just stay right there. And um, then we stopped and we did the pose. And it's like everything changed after I just needed to loosen that up. And then I would say the next was when we got to climb. 
and not be running those the flat part at the beginning anymore and the downhill and um having fun going through that the river crossing and seeing Jill <laughs> fall into the water. Thank you, Jill. Which made my one foot <laughs> fall into the water. But then you learn that, like, oh, it's really fine, and they dry really fast. Um, and then that whole same thing with the yellow flat. We were just in a groove, just running through that. It, w- it was the perfect pitch, everything. It was so it good. It was total It was so flow. good. Yeah, and just for flow. the record, we all came to the conclusion that we all felt like crap the first 10 miles. Yeah. But nobody, <laughs> nobody talked it, about it, right. which I think was so key. Yes. Because we were just cruising along. I felt like crap. I had like sciatic pain going down the back of my... Every, it felt like everything was closing in on the right side of my leg and like s- like just strangling my sciatic nerve. Um, my left plantar fascia was sore like at the attachment point. And I was like, it's cool. And then after 10, like after that first climb, everything felt mm-hmm. good. And then I was like, of course it does. Because we're training for something long like it takes a while to warm up you know like and maybe we should have taken bj's and bj's like if you guys want to do a warm-up run and we all looked at him like no there's no warm-up run and then he said jumping jacks yeah which we said no thank you no thank you but that war that was a warm-up run right like that just that felt like crap how did you feel that first 10 miles or so um i actually didn't mind it at all because that was pretty close to what I had been training on. So it was like a road that was trail. So um, it felt at the, but then by the time we got later in the race, I was like, oh, I can see why I just thought this sucked to end on flat last year. But when we started, I was thinking, oh, this would be great, blah, blah, blah. But then you do realize that it's, it's terrible to run on flat. It is it's terrible. So we, so last year the course mm-hmm. it's it's a big loop, and this year we ran it in reverse. Which now the first ten miles is a long big river, and there's some false flats. There's a little bit of up, a little bit of down, but you would probably say that it's pretty flat. Mm-hmm. And you get to that point where, as like a trail runner, you're like, I just want to go up. I just want to climb. Like I just want to climb. I want. And so the flats, I think, are pretty challenging. But yeah, I felt like crap. I thought it was perfect for build. It helped me build my confidence. I think too, because I. Yeah, and it was the first trail. Just like, I'm trail running. I'm trail running. This is all new. This is all new. I think that that was helpful also because then by the time we were, I mean, if we had been doing that downhill or if we were on that single track where I thought I was going to fall over the whole time um, to start with, it would have been, I might have gotten in my head too much in the beginning overall the trails were incredible Mm -hmm. condition it was dry out there there was some muddy parts but there was it was it it made me realize how muddy it was last year uh yeah it was very runnable it was it was really really could not have been better conditions yesterday so you guys were super dialed on your nutrition you were you were doing that in solidarity yesterday how do you (laughs) think your nutrition went what did you eat how did it go and did you like get to a point where you deviated from that plan based on how you felt. We every thirty minutes. So I'd been training with at first in my training, I wouldn't be taking any in, nutrition in for the first forty five minutes to an hour. And BJ and I talked, and we found that probably wasn't the best to be doing. So I started taking it in every thirty minutes, and bring I brought in whole foods. And what worked for me was 
taking in some PB&J every 30 minutes. So that's what we, we pretty much made. Each made three sam- PB&Js to take with us. And I had a, probably a half of sandwich every 30 minutes to start with. And then I would say at some point I did not want a PB&J <laughs> <laughs> and switched and had a picky bar, a half of one. And then I had the other half. Um, I, and then after that, I think I switched to gel, but then I went back and finished my last half. I've just felt like I needed more of the whole food. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at some point I was just really in tune with my body of when it felt like it really needed something. I think I ate a couple scratch chews. The best part of my nutrition yesterday was when I realized I did not leave my cacao beans in my drop bag, and Jill found them at the bottom of my pack. And we, I basically like took a handful and like just shoved them all in my mouth, and that kind of changed everything. Along with ha- having the sweet taste of Coke, which I never drank at aid station. The last aid station was unbelievable, and I just had noon hydration in my pack, and a, I had a soft water bottle and. Those all worked. And I literally drank everything in my hydration pack. And at the aid stations, I would refill my soft water bottle with water. And and then I think we might have picked up like a PB&J at the aid stations mm-hmm. here and there. I ate, Oh, and I ate a couple pieces of small. They had cut up banana, and I love banana, so that I, I did that. Yeah, and it all, like I never felt like I wasn't going to make, like it was all work, no stomach issues at all. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah those PB&Js were killer. Yeah, they're so they good. really made them really well. Like just not everything was overflowing. Jill, so you were kind of on the same nutrition plan, similar? No? <laughs> You're like laughing. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I just did everything that Liz did, except I don't eat that bananas. So awesome. I don't eat bananas because they make my stomach hurt. Um and we took in salt tabs too. We did, that's which right. I think was we really important. But I, th- I had never trained with real food until we did the twenty miler in from Maine to Massachusetts, and I feel like then after that I started doing all of my long runs with food, um, and make my running partner grab it out of my bag for me, and you know that's what we did out on the trails, and I think that I'll. I'm such a believer in that now because usually I have some point on a long run where I feel like I'm going to have a breakdown or, you know, like I packed raisins yesterday in case I wanted to cry because I feel like those are what I take in for quick sugar to um, level out my attitude, I guess. But I didn't need any of it because I think that if you, like doing the fueling every 30 minutes Mm -hmm. makes me realize that you just need to keep topping off the tank because if you ever get depleted it's really hard to come back yeah. from that yeah. so I know you came to our mindfulness talk I did and um, I mean J- Liz has been with us for a few years so I know she's drinking the Kool-Aid and living the life and I've seen so much transformation in her and your dad Jim is now <laughs> meditating he it's was true. meditating on a rock your mom told me that mm-hmm. several times I was like yeah. I, and he story. sent me a text saying he was gonna be meditating this morning until meditating we were this ready. morning <laughs> Did you use any of that or did anything stick with you? I actually, in the end by the headlands and at one other point when it was flat, I was count, like paying attention to my breath exclusively instead of paying attention to anything else. But it was, um, you know, I would count three in, three out. 
And I thought that, or if I was starting to get to a place where I was, um, if I thought I was breathing too heavy or whatever else, then I would do that to kind of level things out. That worked. Yeah. Liz, how do you use mindfulness in your in your racing? How did you use it yesterday? Oh, wait, one other what? thing. <laughs> Give me that mic back. <laughs> We're not talking about your dirty visor. <laughs> no, but the other thing I was going to say is that I think that um, I thought a lot about, sorry about that. <laughs> That I thought a lot about what you were saying about being present because there were definitely things, you know, I asked you about the river crossing probably 30 times. Several and, times. And and, um, and this is a great example. <laughs> she kept asking about the river crossing. Yeah. Is this it? Is this it? Like go over a puddle. Is this it? I'm like, no, it's a it's a river crossing. It's somewhere between like as big as big river and that puddle we just crossed. It's fine. But the, it's the perfect example of you being in the future because when we showed up to the river crossing, even though you didn't go this way, there was a huge <laughs> log and there was a there was a big there was like a it was like a <laughs> like a I don't even know it wasn't like a dock because it was half sunk, <laughs> but there it was, was a, a sunken dock. Yeah, it was a sunken dock, but there was a way this year to cross the creek where you didn't have to get your shoes wet. Mm. So here I am telling her, like, I you're took. just, you're going to get your <laughs> shoes wet, you know? And so this is what she was preparing for, which is exactly what ended up happening because she fell off the log. <laughs> so core strength, Liz, you have to get her oh, yeah. core strength in one-legged yeah. poses. Um, so it's a perfect example because she was kept asking and asking about it. And then when we showed up, it was totally different than it was last year. But I think that what I noticed for myself, at least, is that I was asking about those things, but my like I didn't feel any of the future in my body if that makes sense like I didn't have any anxiety around it or anxiousness or anything because I was so rooted in the now even though I was asking about those things like the things that I thought would worry me down the road like I didn't let myself think too much about the rappelling down the waterfall until I got there and then I was like well this is scary and then I was just in it and then it was over and I think that that was helpful versus running up, you know, 20 some miles and then stressing about it the whole time. So I think I did a lot more to be in the moment than like thinking ahead to the next drop spot or whatever, like the thing that I was worried about coming ahead. Yeah. So. I'm glad I didn't think about the rope descent either because it was like 20 <clears throat> times more intense than I, <laughs> than I thought it would be. It was like, just because you're so freaking fatigued and all of a sudden you're like, I got these hands and a wet, slippery rope and a soaking wet 140-foot cliff. Go. Go. Be in the present moment. So, Liz, how, do you, how did you use it yesterday in your racing? How, is, how has, because you've had huge shifts in your life, like how has this changed the way that you approach and your experience yesterday? Let's talk specifically about your experience yesterday. So the first 10 miles was a challenge just because I was feeling that tightness and I started the circle in my mind of I shouldn't be feeling this way already. And, but I, the difference was a year ago, I would have taken that bait and it would have completely probably annihilated me for the rest of the run. Um, whereas yesterday, it was just yesterday, right? Um, mm -hmm. I felt, um, and then I was also giving myself a hard time, like, just about it. Like, I should feel better than this. And then I, but I stopped it. 
And I said, just, I just use the keep moving forward and breathing. And I was just listening to you guys talk and not giving it any ener- more energy. So whenever I did that, like I just didn't feel it. The next time I had to, I was faced with it was um, when we got to the fourth aid station and I thought we had gone farther and the woman said, no, this is only, we really thought we were like at 24, 25 miles. And she's like, no, you're only at 22.4. That, that was a tough moment, few minutes for me where, um, I was pissed. <laughs> I, I probably wanted to punch the volunteer, but I wouldn't have because the volunteers were awesome and also very helpful. Um, and then I realized we had to run on road. So I just drank water, had a banana. I think I, that's when I had a goo, and we just, we, we just kept going. And we talked about how much the road sucked, but then we just we were laughing and whatever. Um, <laughs> then the next time I had to use it was my right knee started giving me a lot of problem. Uh, and anytime I went downhill, I almost had to use the breathing I used when I had my two children. And I was really trying to focus on my third eye. And, but I never got to a point where I didn't think I would finish. That wasn't an issue. Then I was getting hung up on my time. Like my knee is going to slow me down. Like it was, I'm already at six hours. Like, okay, whatever. (laughs) How much is it really going to slow you down? And I broke down in tears a couple times where Jill is like, thank God for Jill, honestly, Um, where she was like, can I do anything to help you? And I'm like, no, I said, I just need to shed this layer. It's perfect. It's probably better that I wasn't with you at that point. And I, um, I just started telling my knee that that's fine. You can be there, but I'm driving the bus. Like I'm continuing to move forward and so anytime we were going downhill I just had to for a little while walk walk those downhills and then we'd run the rest of the time and it really helped finding my cacao beans I loved climbing down the wall um because like I didn't I didn't look down I just went with it I just kept walking walking down um I did at the bottom kind of lose it a little and my bum knee slammed into the wet concrete. <laughs> but other than that, it was fine. The rest of the run was fun, though, because we were laughing because at the comedy of where we still had to do these climbs and it was a muddy face and there was down limbs and climbing <laughs> over stuff. But then you came through that other side to that opening of the ocean. And it was like after that, we were we were good. And then we you take that road into the headlands and like I said, after that, it's like my, I don't know what happened, but like my need, it, everything was just flowing. Yeah. So. Like it went away. You weren't focusing yeah. on it. I wasn't at all. Yeah. What we focus on expands. But I love what you said, like, I'm just going to shed this layer. <laughs> and that's a great, that's a great mindset to have because that's all it is. Like, it's not about holding back the tears. It's not about pushing them back down because that can create more frustration. Just 
experience them and realize what it is. You're just releasing something. You're doing something extreme out there. Running 32 miles is a long way. And, you know, you, now you're in, you're just shedding this layer. I love it. And then just move on. And I had to remind myself, we're not running this on the road. Like if it was on the road, yeah, we'd have a better time, like, like total time of getting it done. This was completely nothing I've ever done before, completely different. And there was so much comedy relief uh-huh. on the trail, like especially when we finally saw BJ at the last aid station and we're, <laughs> we're walking because Jill, there was a whole like wide road around us, but somehow she took my left shoe off. <laughs> And then I had all the flat tire, yeah, <laughs> which we didn't realize. I didn't realize. Um, so that was fun trying to lean over and put that back. Jill was a little bit of an assassin on the trail. She almost pushed me off a cliff. It was my first time. Yeah. There was a couple times where I was like right off her shoulder and her elbow was like very close to giving me a black eye. I was like, she's definitely like, if you run next to her, she pushes you yeah, off she, the like, trail. Hears into you. Yeah, it's like an alpha dog that doesn't realize that they're <laughs> being alpha. Okay, so let's get this wrapped up. Having been your first ultra yesterday, what's one piece of advice you would give somebody who's looking to do this in the future? And what's next for you? I would say do it. Like, You've got one body, one life. Like, why not do it? The experience was so amazing. And yes, my I'm, my, I'm tired and my body hurts today, but it's going to feel 100% better tomorrow. And given that I'm 51 and doing this and crushing it, like, I highly recommend that. Like, and the beautiful scenery we saw was unbelievable. I can't imagine not doing this. Yeah, would you recommend this race? Oh, def- hands down. <laughs> so one amazing. of the be- best races I've ever done. First of all, aid stations are cool. Um, and it felt kind of cool going into aid stations because I've been watching all these documentaries where people do it, and I'm like, oh, these are so cool. Um, and the volunteers were unbelievably, like, helpful and wanting to fill your water bottle. Like, you didn't have to do anything. Um, and Sid being there at the end, giving you a high five and all the people still there cheering for you, even though it's like eight hours into the thing. Um, the ultra runner tribe. And it's just beautiful. Um, I would highly recommend it. And then what's next is uh, I would like to do a 50, the Sonoma 50 next year. Definitely. Sweet. I like it. But my next race, big race this year is I'm doing the Chicago Marathon. How do you feel like you're going to be like going back to the road? Um, so the mental challenge there is going to be that Chicago is pretty flat and for 26.2 miles. So, um, that is where my challenge will lie. But what I want to do with that. So I look at that as a way to work on that, pushing it earlier instead of later and getting better at that. So, yeah, I'm just psyched to, and looking forward to what else can I do? Like there's no limits. I love that. Jill. What's your advice? First timer, <laughs> new shoes. Um, the awesome visor. Yeah, all of it. We'll definitely get a visor is number one on my <laughs> Jill is the only ultra runner that runs in tennis accessories. I was, don't listen to my mom disgusting visor that she ran. She's a disgusting visor that she ran in yesterday that was white back in the 19 
early 1980s. (laughs) And now it's just like a rust. It's like rust and beige striped. Yeah, and it served me well. I never had to take sunglasses on or off. I know. Anytime there was anything, she's like, I don't, I wouldn't know because I have a visor on. (laughs) It did get in the way when my, I got my medal at the end, but that would, I'd say that's the only drawback. So it's a very, uh, that and how styling it is. Another drawback, but it's very functional. I wouldn't know you without it, actually. Oh, I would. It's like my calling card. I would like to know you without it. (laughs) So besides getting a dirty, nasty visor to wear at the race, what would you recommend? What would be your tip or advice that you pulled away yesterday that you want to share? Um, I think just similar to what Liz said, to do it and not be a – I mean, you know, I've never been on trails, and I could have been afraid or chosen to never – never do it because I didn't really have access to trails. And I think yesterday, this was the least anxious I've been leading up to a race, which I thought was really interesting because of the number of things I did for the first time yesterday. (laughs) Um, But I think just doing it and then being there to enjoy it the whole time also. You know, I mean, it was such a beautiful experience. This course is amazing. I think that, you know, just like Liz was saying, having sit at the end, having all the volunteers from the aid stations there at the end too – Felt like you were seeing friends who had been along the course with you. Didn't you feel like everybody was like your best friend? Healdsburg Running Company, big shout out to the people from HRC because they were were awesome. They were holding it down, faux fur coats and the whole thing. They were really putting it down. They were awesome. It was awesome. Cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to do – I'm doing New York this year and Liz is going to train me. So I – I'm excited to see what it's like to not get a training plan from online because it's the only place I've ever gotten them. Or know your whole week in advance. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of learning. For me, a lot of information gathering. Um, (laughs) And then I'll probably just do whatever she asks me to do next because that's how I ended up here. (laughs) So, Like it. And you? What's your your one piece of advice that people can take away? Because this is now your – this is your second – Mm-hmm. Uh, ultra and um, yeah it seems like you've just fully embraced a lifestyle so what do you think someone who's curious about getting into this distance or is having some hesitation what do you think you can share with them which would help them maybe take that leap well I have shown myself in the last couple of years that I can get stronger and faster in my mid 40s on plants and a lot of meditation and a lot of yoga. And I just think that's so cool because there was many times where I didn't think that I could get faster or stronger. And I'm, I felt it yesterday. Um, but my biggest piece of advice is if there's things in your life that you fear, that cause you fear, to, to look at those and get really curious about them. Because if I didn't get curious about my fear... I never would have discovered this sport that just fills me with joy, which was the absolute perfect next step after triathlon for me and something that I continue to want to do into the future. And there's no doubt in my mind that I want to go longer. And after yesterday and looking at how I can do have a 30-minute PR in a year and just the amount of distance that I was able, able to put on my body – from year one to year two, 
there's no doubt that year two to year three is going to be even better because you have to be patient when you're going longer, when you're, you have to be patient. It's not all going to happen in one year. It's not all going to happen. And I love that I can see these incremental changes and that my ability as an athlete just keeps up leveling and up leveling physically, but also that mental game is, is really the limitless piece that, uh, again, fear is a part of that. Anxiety is a part of that frustration, getting down on yourself, get curious about those things. But again, if I didn't get, if I didn't have that courage to look at what I was fearful of, I never would have started trail running. And when I started trail running, I started trail running by myself. And so I really got a chance to face those fears. And I've been looking into like what courage means recently. And cause it, I talk about how it really takes courage to live, you know, the life that you and I live, BJ. And courage is, is not about not being afraid. It's about being afraid, but you're not paralyzed. And I think that that's a great way to transmute fear into courage and, and keep moving forward. So what you're fearful of is going to remain there until you deal with it. <clears throat> so it's possible to get to the other side. What's next for me? Sonoma 50 miler next April. Yep. It's going to be a challenging one. So I think Jill's going to be in too because Liz is already in and Jill's going to do what Liz says. So we will see you guys in Sonoma next year and hopefully awesome. out in San Diego for some training. Absolutely. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> and you should probably just keep those trail shoes and I think I then they'll be nice and broken half in. Size up though, still. Oh, That's you what need I did. In. Yeah, Should've yeah, you got to go bigger. <laughs> you didn't listen to me on that one. All right, you guys, we're out from Mendocino, California.